Shit We've Read is a proud member of Bilo Network, a network of geeky podcasts. Please visit shitweavered.com to support the show. Now let's talk about some books. Welcome back to another episode of Shit We've Read, a sci-fi and fantasy book podcast hosted by some geeky friends. My name is Jason Rico, and I'll be one of your hosts on this episode, our uh, season three premiere episode, where we will be talking about the TikTok sensation, I think that's fair to say, Legends and Lattes by Travis Baldry. But of course, I can't talk about this book alone, so I got to introduce my co-host. First on the mic, we got Laura Benson. What's up, Laura? Hey, I'm glad to be back. Welcome back for another season. Yeah. And we, of course, also have Bella Romero. Hey, Bella. Hey, guys. Long time no chat about books. It it has been a while. We took we took a Mm -hmm. month off, but because we recorded a little bit in advance, it's been more than a month now that we haven't chatted about books. So yeah, I've missed you both. I've missed talking about books. I'm so glad we're back. I mean, I've seen you. Oh, getting so sentimental. I know. I've seen you, but anyhow. Yeah, I was like, damn, some feelings there. I guess you're not made out of. Ice or coal or whatever. Like the it's a new season of trying something today. new called emotions. I, I don't know. I just what? heard about them recently. I love that for you. Yeah, that yeah. journey. We'll see how long I keep <laughs> it up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, as always, we start off our episodes with talking about some of the other shit we're reading. However, it doesn't have to just be a book. It could be a movie. It could be a TV show. It could be I don't know the back of a cereal box. I, I, whatever. But wow. Yeah, what's some of the other stuff you've been uh, reading? Low bar. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'll go first. Uh, I finally picked up the Shadow and Bone books. Um, I've had them for a while. I just finished watching the second season on Netflix. So I was like, okay, I think I'm, I'm, I'm far enough into where I can read the source material. And so I am in the process of reading the second book right now, uh, Siege of Storm, or sorry, Siege and Storm. This is by Lee Bardugo. So that's been interesting, reading through the book and comparing it to the show. I have a lot of questions still, even though I've watched and read them. I wanted to listen to Bilo Watch, Emma Skies and Mm -hmm. Sir Aaron Carter's podcast, but I was getting spoilers from that, so (laughs) I wanted answers from it, but I was also getting spoilers, and I was like, okay, I think I'm going to wait until I've read the books then, and then maybe maybe I'll get answers from the books, maybe I won't, and I'll get answers from Emma and Aaron. (laughs) I still haven't watched the second season of the show. I am behind, so... Uh, it's, it it's still good. I still, I re- I very much enjoy the show. Nice. Um, I think, you know, it's rare to enjoy the show or the movie more than the book. I honestly think I might enjoy the show more so far. Okay. Nice. But I think so far I like the way that they did adapt it. I think it was, it was done very well. That's high praise. Most people are not happy with adaptation. So. Yeah. Yeah. Makes me want to watch it more. I remember that original trilogy being okay, but I like the the later books, the the Six of Crows stuff a lot more. That's what I hear. And they've been bringing a little bit of that into the show, so maybe that's what's picking it up and making it more enjoyable. Perhaps. Probably, probably, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. But but either way, overall, I I am still I'm enjoying the world that was created in the Shadow and Bone trilogy. I think Lee Bardugo has a lot of really cool ideas. Um, 
So if if anything, I just like learning about the things that are happening in this universe. Nice. Cool. Bella, what about you? What, uh, what are you up to these days? Um, well, I finished school just in time to get into a little scooter crash and break my collarbone for our <laughs> listeners out there. Ouch. So I have been doing a lot of reading, actually. Um, I obviously read this book, but I've been doing a lot of like romance novel, um, mm-hmm. both physical and audiobooks, as usual. Not surprised. Um, not surprised. So I did the the. I I was surprised to find that I really liked this one author that I found at the Ripped Bodice. They are non-binary and write a lot of like they're non-binary bisexual. And uh, which is me. And so they write a lot of books about bisexuals, which is great. And so they write about these couples that have been, they've all been friends since like forever. And then, like, obviously, like friends to lovers kind of trope. It's great. It was super fun. Um, And then I discovered the Regency Vow series, uh, which there's, I believe, three or four out now. I got the arc for the latest one and really liked it. So now I went back to the beginning and I've read the first one and I'm almost done with the second one. Yeah. So there are four because then I'll read the third one. So it kind of went out of order, but you don't really have to. They stand alone. Mm. Um, like each nice. of the stories kind of continues, but the characters carry over from the previous books. So like kind of spoiled myself. Like I know that these couples end up together, but they're also the ones narrating the books. So it's not really a spoiler. Like, you know <laughs> what's going to happen. Um it's a romance book. How much can really be spoiled in the end? <laughs> I kind of know what's happening. Um, so yeah, and then yeah, I've just like requested a whole bunch of NetGalley arcs. So I'm excited to keep reading for the next six weeks. Nice. <laughs> so oh. as I recover, yeah. I guess oh. that's just, times. you know, silver lining. Yeah, the universe was like, you said you wanted to read more, right? So <laughs> made that possible for you. I'm like, that's not what I meant. But thank you. Uh, so be careful what you wish for, folks. Um, <laughs> don't well, manifest. Take care too of much. yourself. Hopefully, you have a speedy and smooth recovery. But uh, oh, thanks, enjoy those guys. books in the meantime. I know yeah. it's been fun. I like catching up on reading. So yeah, nice. all good. Nice. <laughs> uh, what about you, Rico? What have you been reading? Yeah, so the book I just finished uh, yesterday was "The Adventures of Amina Al Sarafi" by Shannon Chakraborty. Um, it's a tale of pirates and sorcerers, forbidden artifacts and ancient mysteries, and one woman's quest to seize a uh, final chance at glory and write her own legend. Um, it's really fun. I really enjoyed it. Um, it takes place, I think, in the 11th century, give or take a century. She's a badass female pirate. You know, her glory days are kind of behind her, but she's gathering up the crew for one last adventure. Um yeah, it's fun. It's I mean, if you enjoy pirate stories, if you enjoy fantasy, if you enjoy badass female characters, I definitely think uh, there's a lot in this book to to enjoy and have fun with. I think I might add that to my list. Yeah, I like yeah. I like a good pirate story. Yeah, yeah, I haven't I haven't read a lot, but I've I've been liking pirate TV, so I'm like, let's try a book. Hey. There you go. There you go. Yeah, yeah, and it's got it's got some queer representation in there. Um, I won't give more details because it's somewhat spoilery, but yeah, it's, I enjoyed it. Ooh, cool. And then prior to that, I mean, I read a few books, but one I specifically want to shout out is The Three-Body Problem by Shishin Liu, which is a like Hugo Award-winning sci-fi deals with uh, humans sending a signal off into space to contact aliens and then aliens getting the signal and they actually want to come and 
invade Earth, and it's super deep, super complex. Uh, yeah, it's by no means like an easy read, but it's a pretty fulfilling read that like leaves you questioning humanity and humanity's place in the world, and like all the good stuff that sci-fi is supposed to do. Um, but one reason I want to make sure I call it out is because I read it for the Tipsy Nerds Book Club podcast. Uh, I was a guest on that recently. So if you enjoy sci-fi, if you enjoy this show, and you want to hear me talking to some other nerds, <laughs> check it out. I, they're very kindred spirits, I feel like. They they yeah. they make cocktails or drinks based on the book that they're reading. Um, they're both authors. So they also come at it a little differently than we do. I mean, we're just book nerds that like talking about stuff but they're authors so they come at it a little differently uh but it was a lot of fun so if you like the show i think you'll really enjoy it so check them out i enjoyed listening to that episode you guys talked about some really interesting topics yeah yeah it was fun i was i was nervous i'm gonna say that i was really nervous to talk to them about it because again like i said they're they're authors so they come at story way different they they break down story um and also when i was reading this book it's like oh this book is not like an easy fun read this is a book like Mm -hmm. you really need to like know what you're talking about and like i honestly felt like i needed a prerequisite degree in astrophysics before i was even able to talk about the book like it's that kind of book (laughs) but uh but in a good way like i don't know how to explain that like i like sci-fi that makes you feel dumb sometimes and this is one of those books that does it (laughs) but like in the best possible way (laughs) oh my gosh you're like i learned physics from comic books so yeah, exactly. <laughs> Anyhow, so the complete opposite of a not easy, fun read would be this book that we're going to talk about, which is mm-hmm. Legends and Lattes yeah. by Travis Baldry. It is, um, I guess, high fantasy, but I've also seen cozy fantasy thrown out there. Oh, I've not heard I'm not of that sure if that's before. a specific genre, but perhaps it is now. Uh, it was first published independently in February of 2022 and then later picked up and published traditionally by Tor Books that same year, so November 8th. So really quick turnaround of getting swiped up traditionally and republished. Bella, yes. would you like to give us a synopsis of this book, please? I would love to. So, <clears throat> after a lifetime of bounties and bloodshed, Viv is hanging up her sword for the last time. The battle-weary orc aims to start fresh, opening the first-ever coffee shop in the city of Thune. But old and new rivals stand in the way of success, not to mention the fact that no one has the faintest idea what coffee actually is. If Viv wants to put the blade behind her and make her plans a reality, she won't be able to go it alone. But the true rewards of the uncharted path are the travelers you meet along the way. And whether drawn together by ancient magic, flaky pastry, or a freshly brewed cup, they may become partners, family, and something deeper than she ever could have dreamed. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. All right. As always, let's get our first impressions out of the way. No spoilers. Uh, Laura, I'm going to hold off on you for specific reasons. <laughs> I'm going to go to Bella first. Okay. Uh, I want to know what those yeah, reasons yeah. are. Bella, what, what like were your I'm walking first into a trap. No, 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 no trap. So I'm always we- like weary of TikTok hyped Book talk, excuse me, hyped books. Fair. Um, I've been disappointed. There's a lot of Colleen Hoover recommendations. Mm. You know, I just was like, maybe this isn't as good as they say. Like, I really want to love this. Um, So I was hesitant to read it. So I was actually really glad that we picked it for the podcast because I felt like, all right, like this will give us a space to talk about it. And like, maybe I'll hear different perspectives. Uh, But when I first picked it up, like I was kind of surprised. I was like, oh, this is very cozy. I haven't read a book this cozy probably ever. Uh, so it was a total <laughs> mindset shift where I was like, oh, like this is 
really about like settling in, very mindful reading. And I overall had a lot of fun. I think there was um, some really good moments where they describe like the feeling of a warm cup of coffee or and how coffee is different than tea and like just these little pieces that I just really picked up on and and carried with me throughout the book. And the characters were very soft and gentle and it's just a nice, cozy little book to curl up with. So I really liked it. Um, first impression, no spoilers, lots to discuss, but yeah, it was, it was definitely not anything that I expected. Like, I I'm glad that a lot of people liked this, but I never would have thought like a book like this would be as popular as it was, mm-hmm. especially 2022. Like this would have made sense like during COVID to me, like, oh, we're all curled up at home with a book, you know, talking about starting coffee shops and meeting friends. But like 2022, you know, we were kind of like opening up the world, like people are getting back to normal in-person events. So it's kind of surprised. It's not at all what I expected, but I really liked yeah. it. Yeah, nice. Yeah, I, I I agree with you for the most part. I really enjoyed this book. Um, if I may perhaps try to translate the book into a feeling, it's I get, the feeling for me is like going to to a quaint little village, a uh, new little city, finding a cute coffee shop, bookstores, maybe joints together that mm-hmm. has a fireplace going and you find a nice little chair and you have a blanket and you have your cup and you're reading a book and you, everything just seems really peaceful and really just happy. That's this book. Mm-hmm. Um, it was super cute, super adorable, super easy to read. Um, it's funny that you brought up how you're surprised that this exists now as opposed to like the pandemic. And I think this is exactly the kind of book that can exist now post-pandemic, mm. post-political climate being what it is in the U.S. I also feel like a lot of sci—not sci-fi—a lot of fantasy nowadays is very big. They're all trying to be very big epic series. Yeah, like you don't have like a whole lot of like just one and done fantasy books. It's five book series about court intrigue and betrayal and just a lot of heavy concepts. And this book mm-hmm. is like, I just wanted to give you a hug. Yeah, it just it it was just a good time. Yeah. The, you're right. The world building was minimal, mm-hmm. which was made it really easy to read. Mm-hmm. Um and I think makes it really approachable for people who aren't necessarily high fantasy yeah. fans. Like, yeah, I wouldn't call this high fantasy. Mm-hmm. I'd say like low fantasy, I think is the terminology. Cause there's like low, mid, and high. I don't know. Now, now I'm gonna it, now I'm gonna look into that, but yeah. I mean it, it lives in a high fantasy world, right? Yeah, but the story itself I wouldn't call high fantasy. No, mm-hmm. it's high fantasy adjacent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, in the past, we have talked about the way I read books and how I don't always <laughs> care for an abundance of detail sometimes, and and I kind of just stick to like the plot. But this is one instance where I could have done with a little bit more. I uh, I could have done with just a little bit more of the details, a little bit more of everything. Not not that it was bad book because I didn't have it. I just wanted more of it because it was a yeah. such, such a good time. I think the book sat with the mundane parts of working a coffee shop a lot, right? Like it kind of like you sit you sit with the moment of customers are coming in. There's a morning rush, like you know. That that's the plot at times yeah. is yeah. like how the coffee shop is operating, which I think is was fine for me. Like if you like things like um Stardew Valley, like cozy video games, like this is the kind of 
book for you. It had that same vibe of like, mm-hmm. it's the day in and day out. That's what we're focused on. Not the like plot building. There's no crazy world ending scheme. We have to slay the dragon to save the princess, to break the curse on the kingdom. Like that wasn't what this mm-hmm. was. Well, I'm really glad you brought up how it was about the mundane aspects of running a coffee shop because that leads me to wanting to hear what Laura has to say about this book. I'm very curious. We've, we've, I think we've mentioned this on the podcast in the past. Uh, maybe it was in the Meet the Host episode, um, if not so. on a proper episode. But for those who aren't familiar, I'll just say it now. Laura used to co-own a coffee shop. Yep. And so I think her thoughts on this book are going to be interesting. I want, I want to hear what your thoughts are. Uh, I have a love-hate relationship with this book. All right, here we go. <laughs> this <laughs> is this in. is non-spoiler though, so like I can't, I don't want to yeah, get yeah. into too much detail. Sure. But there were, I think, I think overall, if I didn't have such a personal connection to the topic, I think I would have really, really enjoyed it because it is definitely a cozy story. Like like you both have said, it's it's a feel-good kind of story. It's small. It's low risk. It's you know, it's it's easy to ingest. Um, it's it was a great story overall. My personal connection to the topic of running a coffee shop is where things got really difficult for me. Cause sometimes it was totally accurate, sometimes it wasn't, and then there was times that made me like feel um I don't even know how to describe it. Sometimes I just like felt really sad in certain scenes. But again, I can't get into too much detail for non-spoiler stuff. <laughs> I think what you guys said though, again, overall I, I thought it was it was a really a really great book, easy to read. Um it's definitely I would say probably a good palate cleanser between oh, for books. Sure. Oh yeah. But yeah. <laughs> Uh, I liked it, but I didn't like it for my own personal reasons. Very valid. Okay. <laughs> Laura, I don't know about you, but I am not ready for this heat. Uh, me neither. It's only May and we're already hitting over 90 degrees here in Sacramento. And it's only going to get hotter, which means it's more important than ever to make sure you stay hydrated. Yeah, but sometimes plain old water just doesn't cut it. What do you mean? Well, anytime I take my food truck out to an event, I am constantly having to refill my water bottle and I feel like I can never drink enough. And don't get me started on all of the attendees. After hours of dancing and partying in those hot temperatures, the first thing customers ask when they come up to the truck is if we have any drinks. Well, that's where Liquid IV comes in. With festival season upon us, planning for faster, efficient hydration is essential. And Liquid IV has you and all our listeners covered while you get ready before the festival, power through your favorite act, and recover after the weekend. Ooh, tell us more. Just one stick of Liquid IV and 16 ounces of water gets you five essential vitamins, two times faster hydration than water alone, with three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks. Wait, really? Oh yeah, I've been using Liquid IV for years and I love it. I have a box of the passion fruit flavors sitting on the top of my fridge so I can easily add it to my water bottle whenever I feel run down, before I head out on a hike to a secluded area to read a book, or just whenever I'm thirsty and want something with flavor. Laura, you know how you always tell me my skin looks so hydrated and refreshed? That's probably thanks to Liquid IV. 
I've literally never told you that. Yeah, that's because you're a horrible friend. While I, on the other hand, am an amazing friend for telling you about Liquid IV. But if I haven't convinced you already, here's the best part. Liquid IV is more than just a hydration brand and believes that equitable access to clean and abundant water is the foundation of a healthier world. To that end, Liquid IV partners with leading organizations for innovative solutions to help communities protect both their water and their futures. To date, Liquid IV has donated over 39 million servings in 50 plus countries around the world. Wow, that is so cool and definitely something to support. So, Laura, what do you say? Are you ready to experience the Liquid IV difference for yourself? I am, and everyone listening can too. Right now, you can get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code SWRPOD at checkout. Again, that's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration using promo code SWRPOD at liquidiv.com. In 2017, Universal Studios announced The Dark Universe, an ambitious project that would see all of their classic movie monsters come together like some kind of horror Avengers. Only one movie was ever made, which bombed so hard they canceled the entire franchise. But what if they hadn't? On our podcast, Are You Afraid of the Dark Universe, we imagine the connected horror universe that never was. Every week, one of us pitches the other on the next movie in the universe until we grow to Marvel proportions and beyond. So far, we've tackled Frankenstein, The Wolfman, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, and many more, and we're just getting started. Follow along on your favorite podcast app and ask yourself the question, Are you afraid of the dark universe? Let's get into spoilers and, and talk about this book. Uh, this is your warning now. If you have not read this book and you do not want it to be ruined, turn away now. Otherwise, uh, welcome aboard. Okay, <laughs> Laura, let's just keep going with you. What uh, what were some of the details specifically that uh, felt like weren't quite accurate? I don't know. You know, it's not that easy to open a coffee shop, <laughs> first of all. I mean, I know this is a different world. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it is like no one's ex- knows what coffee is. Yeah, nobody so. knows what coffee is. Yeah. I don't think very many people would like coffee that quickly. It's kind of an acquired taste. Well, so I mean, well that one like the I think the the stone kind of explains that where like like calls to like, so I feel like people oh, who good are point. drawn good point. to coffee cuz I thought about that too and I was like, "Oh, but if the stone's magic is like bringing the people who would like this, into the shop, then I think that's the key. I hadn't thought about that. That's a good point. That's mm-hmm. interesting, though. But So you're saying it's drawing people in even though they've never tried it. But th- that there's something inherently yeah. in them that would make them like coffee. They, they, they yeah, are the, interested. The vibes of they a coffee shop. Yeah, huh. yeah whether, whether it's the pastry, whether it's the company, I think that that was kind of like the power of the stone is that it brings like-minded folks together so i think there was going to be something that they enjoyed about this Mm, venture whether it was the coffee or pastry or just like the cozy vibes the music right like i think that was a big part of it for sure i got because i thought that too i was like they did no marketing oh no they They just opened they just were like we're open today (laughs) i was like that's not how things work um i didn't own a coffee shop but i do like comms marketing for a living and i was like that is a terrible launch. Who thought of this? Nobody knows what you're doing. You're not on the main road. 
you don't have foot traffic. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> I, I was very curious to hear what you had to say, Laura, because, yes, this the way she goes out opening up the shop and the way, like, even when she has to do, like, repairs to it and, and brings new things and it happens very quickly – it's like this world clearly does not have like a downtown partnership you have to deal with. It doesn't it's- have landlords <laughs> you have to deal with. There's no small business loan you have to deal with. No, like it's very much no like you're paying stuff out of pocket. It's just it, it's a very simple world that allows this kind of coffee shop to exist that we can't have now, unfortunately. Yeah. But then, I mean, there's also the remodeling part. Like they remodeled just a whole place with only two people. In such a short amount, short amount of time, I was like, "No, yeah. no, not gonna happen that fast. <laughs> that that cannot be explained by the stone." <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. Yeah, that that there there was a little bit of that um, lack of realism, right? Uh, well, uh, Bella, you mentioned the stone. Um, for those of you who maybe haven't read the book and want to know, she she found the stone. Viv, the main character, has the stone that is supposed to bring your like fortune or bring or, you like, fortune yeah right like, like your heart's desire or something yeah like that. This, and so she she buries it on underneath the floorboards of the coffee shop and she attributes the success of the coffee shop to the stone uh, but is very scared of giving up the stone because it may mean that her coffee shop is going to fail um and, it, and, and later on in the book, we find out that it's like, yeah, that's kind of true, but not really. It just brings people of like mind. It doesn't really give you fortune. It just gives you people that want the same thing so that it makes it easier for you to get the stuff you want. But even then, they say that he says that that still has never been like fully confirmed that it actually right. does that. Right. right. So do you think the stone worked? Do you think it actually worked or not? Or is it a placebo effect? I think so, because he mentioned um, he being one of the characters whose name I can't remember right now. The um, chess player? Not not the chess player. uh, The, like, the university student who's uh, studying, like, the ley lines Mm -hmm. at at the coffee shop. That's why he's, like, there. He doesn't even like... He doesn't like hot beverages. He doesn't really like the pastries as much. He does end up liking, like, the little cinnamon twist things like the biscotti kind of thing but he's he's studying ley lines like that's why he sits there he's like i just want to study this i'm this kind of student at the university and then after like once they the stone is stolen it turns out he was like oh well the ley lines are back to normal so i don't know anything about ley lines but i was curious to see if that was sort of like the scientific explanation for like what was going on like the data to explain like something in the magic of that place was altered or enhanced by the stone and so that's how these people these like events were occurring Mm. sort of against the odds in that space and then even when it left it didn't necessarily mean that everyone was leaving it just was like this is just now now you kind of have to do it more organically but you've already built up the business Hmm. So, Good point. I don't know. That I thought about thought. that, but I didn't really connect that. Yeah, you're right. Hmm. I did say that. Yeah. I had a hard time buying into the idea that like, coffee was this new novelty, that it was a gnomish creation, and that to the larger world, coffee wasn't very well known. Tea was, but coffee wasn't. And then later in the book, uh, 
we have Thimble, the, the the baker who makes cinnamon rolls. So cinnamon rolls exist, but then he like introduces chocolate and people don't know chocolate. And so there's like, there's very common foods that do and do not exist in this world. Did either of you have an opinion on, on this, the, the, the premise of like coffee was this new thing that no one knew of? That wasn't so hard for me. Just like historically chocolate and coffee were late discoveries for a lot of like European settlers in, in like our history, not fantasy. Yeah. So like, I think it was less on, it was, it was still believable to me that like the greater society, like the majority society would have not have discovered these like rich delicacies that another group has. Mm. Um, so that was that was fine to me. The cinnamon roll, like all the pastries being so new was kind of weird to me. But I was also like, maybe that's just because we have cinnamon rolls and I can't imagine a world without cinnamon rolls. <laughs> um, and like, of course, once you discover them, that would be incredible. But. Yeah, I mean, it had to come from somewhere, but it did seem like, again, a little too good to be true that like they discovered the cinnamon rolls. They discovered the like thim- thimblets or whatever. Mm. Yeah. And croissants. Without experimenting. Without experimenting, like, multiple times. Because I didn't get the sense that, like, Thimble... Is that, was that his, yeah, his Thimble. name? Yeah, Thimble was anything, like, super magical. I don't know. But at the same time, I was like, you know what? I'm just here for a good time. I'll take it. Someone had to invent it. Why not Thimble? Like, <laughs> sure. Sure. It, it was harder for me to believe the pastries Mm -hmm. but when it comes to the coffee and the chocolate if you think about the differences between that and like tea tea is generally a loose leaf whereas coffee and chocolate is from a bean Mm. which are specific to certain regions yeah so i mean that that could kind of be maybe why they didn't really know what it was before what's that look like your face jason i'll get there yeah like (laughs) <laughs> like it mimicked to me it mimicked like colonizing like these empires back in the day of like they had they had discovered tea first and then eventually like discovered chocolate and coffee and so i was like this kind of follows that so it makes sense to me um and gnomes are often coded in high fantasy as being like i have a feeling this is where you were yep. going yep. as the like othered group Uh that you know they hide under mountains away from sight they're considered like i don't know subservient or just in general like these um lesser than figures like they're uh, they're described as ugly and short not not that this author does that but historically in high fantasy i think gnomes are often um coded in this sort of like racial bias way so it wasn't that weird to me that the othered group was introducing these delicacies. Um, I don't remember where chocolate came from, but like, you know, the fact that like gnomes had invented all of this. But then also there's like the whole thing of like Aztecs were actually like more advanced than Europeans in terms of like mathematics and technology. So then I was like, well, so gnomish having all this technology makes sense to me. Like they're actually smarter and more advanced. This is, history is often written by white people, privileged yeah, okay. white people, colonizers. Yeah. So is that where you're going, Rico? That's exactly where I'm going because yeah. <laughs> where I have issues sometimes with fantasies, it's a fantasy world. You can you can create whatever you want. You can give any explanation. So coffee 
and chocolate, even though we look at it through the lens of our own history and it coming from outside of Europe and it being a new introduction to Europe, right? That doesn't need to be the case in this world. But when it is and it is brought in from another culture, then I start having a little bit of an issue of Viv profiting off of this creation of another culture. It's like, okay, now does this make it problematic? Is this cultural appropriation? Like if, if, if a white woman wants to open up an authentic Mexican taqueria in a place that doesn't have Mexican food, is that fine? Like, it, and this is a very difficult question. There's, I don't think there is a right or wrong answer. But I mean, that's kind of the way I equate it of like, she is an outsider profiting off of a gnomish creation. And there are gnomes in this world. They're just like, well, yeah, we've grown up with it. Like we didn't think about selling this so like wouldn't it be a little less problematic if she partnered with the gnome right you know know what i'm trying to say i think i think that's a that's definitely a very interesting gray area what what my understanding has been and again i might be wrong but what i i have heard is that if you are respecting the culture and not trying to necessarily change it or or take credit for it or something like that then it's not generally looked as down on if that if I, that makes sense mm-hmm. in this situation i don't in, in this book i don't remember specifically if like viv ever like advertised this is was created she, by the gnomes. I know she talks about it to people. She I don't, does I don't, advertise it as she a does gnomish delicacy. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, and she even had issue having her name on the uh, on the sign when Kel suggested like Viv's Coffee. She was like, I don't want to put my name on there. So even that was like her trying to remove herself, I feel like. so. I, it's definitely not a perspective. Like while I was reading it, I definitely, you know, wasn't thinking like that necessarily, but in preparation for the podcast, I was like, eh, it could be a little icky. I mean, I always want to hate colonizers, so to be fair, that's my go-to um, response. Whenever I'm like, <laughs> chocolate and coffee? Say say more. Um, <laughs> so tell me where you're taking this. Um, so, I mean, I, I did actually feel kind of, while reading, though, the, the part about it being, like, culturally appropriative or just sort of, like, I, I like because she's an orc, so it's not like she has privilege. Like orcs are right seen as sort of like she's a just a different dangerous, other. yeah, prejudiced, othered grouped group. Um, so it, that was hard. That was hard to kind of take in at the same time as like, okay, well, you're othered, but then you're taking from this othered group to like elevate yourself. Like that feels kind of weird. But I also don't see gnomes doing this already. So like the question is like, why aren't they doing it? But they seem to be okay with selling with you to you. And like, I don't know. So yeah, I mean, I think that's a good point. Um, I don't think think it's explored in the book, though, at all. And this isn't the type of book that will explore that. Like, let me be clear, this is a very simple, easy book. And even I'm bringing this up, but by no means did it detract from my enjoyment. When I was reading this, I didn't. I wasn't outraged. I wasn't like, "Oh my god, I can't believe she's doing this." It was just after the fact, you know. When you're thinking about things to bring up on a podcast, you're like, "Well, I can kind of relate this to her profiting off of another's culture." And does that make it yeah. difficult? Does anybody have opinions about that? But again, it's simple. It's super simple book, cozy, fun. It's it's not. Mm-hmm. 
I, I'm putting way more into it than is actually there. I mean, <laughs> I mean I'll be honest. but You uh, just always have to find something wrong with the book, and that's so fair. Exactly. I'm just, I'm, exactly. I'm just messing with you. No. No, but I, I think it's a good point, and it is, it is interesting, like, to think about, again, like, this is such a high fantasy setting, but the book feels really modern. Like, uh-huh. the whole coffee shop concept i was like mm-hmm. even the word coffee shop does not feel like a fantasy term i don't know what you would call it um like a coffee tavern i don't know um but that it just it just didn't feel old so i think some of those elements of like the chocolate and coffee coming in and cinnamon rolls somehow not being a thing i was like this feels like that blend of like fantasy like modern fantasy woven in here. That might be and again, it. It that might like, be where I had issues because it did feel very modern. Because mm-hmm. she's using coffee equipment, like she's getting equipment in, like she's getting, or you you would know the terms. I don't know shit, but like you know the espresso machine, and she's getting all these like things that artificers are creating. That's like the fantasy version of it, but they're modern equipment. But mm-hmm. yet you don't know what coffee and chocolate are in this world. Like it seems weird to me, but yeah. Yeah. And it seemed if it was such a rarity, it seemed really easy for her to do, Yeah, which I think was, again, that like modern premise, the unrealistic part that Laura talked about, where like, it's not actually that hard to start a coffee shop. I'm like, well, imagine being the first coffee shop in a fantasy world where it doesn't exist beyond gnomes. She had that real easy. And I, I just don't think that's a result of the stone because that wouldn't have been within the stones like realm of power. So, yeah, there are definitely some like modern suspend suspend your disbelief moments mm-hmm. um and i think those are definitely a lot of them didn't ruin the book was great but just you know little things that i think i wasn't prepared for reading the book i was like oh okay more modern than i thought laura sorry you were gonna say something i was just say speaking of espresso i'm actually very confused what they're serving in their shop yeah <laughs> serving espresso or are they serving coffee <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, it sounds I like espresso <laughs> I had that same question because I was like, they are different. I mean, it's all coffee beans, but like the way you prepare it is like espresso versus like drip coffee. It's different. And it's yeah. Yeah. It sounded like they were doing drip or it sounded like they were making espresso with like the lattes and everything. But then you could have just like a cup of coffee. So I was like, so is it drip coffee? Because espresso might not pull that much if you're doing it right. I don't know. That's was, that's where I got yeah. confused because I know before Viv got her machine, she did brew like a, a like cup a pour over. Yeah, she made a pour over. So I was like, okay, she's making making coffee, coffee. but then she got the cu- the espresso machine. It's not called espre- an espresso machine in the book. It's it's just a machine. Sounds the way it's described sounds like an espresso machine, but then. For the rest of the book, it's never referred to as making pour-over coffee anymore. So it sounds yeah. like it's espresso, but they only call it coffee. Yeah, and it actually reminded me of, I saw recently some video on Instagram, TikTok, whatever, of like an old coffee machine where you like boiled the water and then the coffee tipped over and it dripped and all this stuff. I was like, so maybe it's that machine and it just sounds like espresso? Maybe. Maybe. So, yeah, I was with you. I, I didn't really kind of understand some of the mechanics of what they were doing. But if it yeah. was coffee and not espresso, 
then it was not supposed to be called a latte. Mm-hmm. Latte is espresso, espresso. and milk. It was yeah. supposed to be a cafe au lait. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm with you on that. I was like, that's not right. If it's not espresso, because that, that's, a, yeah, that's a just, yeah. There were like little things like that that I was like. To be clear, espresso and coffee are very similar. It's just prepared different, has a different volume, different amounts of caffeine, tastes different. <laughs> that's for for our listeners, if, if they don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the more you know. Yeah. Again, people who have like really niche interest in coffee, this might drive you a little crazy. But if you don't care, then it's a. F- I didn't really think about it until later. Well, actually, no, I did think about it in the moment. And I just shelved it away, and then talking about it now, I'm like, you're right. I was, I was thinking about that. <laughs> that was weird. Yeah, good point. Good point. There was a point where I was like, what kind of machine would this be? And that's when I looked up that video again. I was like, it could have been this one. I don't know. I'm not a coffee drinker, so it did not mm-hmm. register me one way or the other. I was like, yeah, they're making coffee-based drinks. That's fantastic. You're like, it's basically tea. So <laughs> right? You're like, you were that person that's like, it's tea? It's tea. <laughs> they're like, no, 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 sweetie. It, it isn't. You're like, but it's tea. No. <laughs> no. I was just laughing at it. it's such a simple menu. Like I think at by the end of the book, the pastries outnumbered the drink. I yeah, I thought about options. that too. It's like you're a coffee shop, but you have way more pastries than you do drink options. I'm, I'm not counting iced co- coffee as a different thing. That's just adding ice to coffee. <laughs> yeah. I wish, I wish it could be that simple. I mean, no, yeah. I yeah. wanted a little more development than the drink thing. Like you introduced chocolate. Hey, what about if you like, I don't I know, like heated up chocolate, hot chocolate, what? or you mix chocolate with coffee? Wait, well, you know, you got mocha. Give us yeah. a little bit more, yeah. but. Uh, I was I hoping know. for that evolution at some point. So I was disappointed there was no hot cocoa. Maybe we'll, we'll get that in a sequel. Maybe but. in a sequel. That's the yeah. sequel I want. <laughs> That's the fanfic <laughs> I'm writing is just the hot discovering cocoa. hot chocolate. There you when go. When I was curious, I was like, why don't you serve tea? Like, why don't you try to do like tea lattes? Like, maybe that'll be in the sequel. Um, so, yeah, actually, the pastries outnumbering the drinks was less far-fetched to me because I was like, taverns have a pretty simple menu. So I was like, maybe it's just, they're like, we're, we're like a tavern. You get one, two, or three, and that's it. Take it or leave it. Don't come. But I was surprised by how busy they were. I think that was another thing that was like, this new invention has taken off, and you're super busy, and you're making a lot of money. But then at the same time, you're like, we have no more money left to buy a new stove. And I was like, so where's all the money? There's little things like that that I was just like, oh, the money's going into payroll, in the first Bella. Two years. That was the thing. I was like, it's all in payroll. Yeah. So see, I didn't, I was like, you're paying everyone like a lot of money every week. Like pretty much the same. And I was like, Thimble's over here, like making all the food. Thimble deserves a raise and a portion (laughs) of the profits. I was like the union boss, like negotiating for Thimble. I was like, Thimble's inventing shit over here. So yeah, that's where, that's where I was getting like, "Mm, unequitable pay. The beans couldn't have been cheap. If it's not, if no. it's not a common, you know, if it's not yeah, a commodity, so. then like you, she's paying premium for these beans, so that's where the money's going as well. Like I was thinking, I was like, you have a really like high, com- like pretty high priced commodity here, and then like they weren't charging very much for the coffee, so I was like, are you breaking even? Are you losing money? 
What's happening? I was curious about the profit margins. I love that we're just like Same. literally nickel and diming the. <laughs> I know it's you know it's the- really hard to turn off that brain sometimes. So, but I mean, you got to consider the fact that she has to somehow contact them out of town. Yeah, I know to make the order and pay for it. And this is before and have it shipped to you and airplanes. Yeah, so I was like, how long is it taking for you to get beans? Have you appropriately? rationed the bean count like when do you order you more running, when do you order more and that was never discussed um so i think for me i was just like very into it i guess and was just had a lot of questions <laughs> like i had and i had fun i had fun asking those questions like yeah. i was not but i also don't have the pts of owning a coffee shop sorry laura so for me it's all theoretical like questions which i enjoy so yeah so i had fun uh, but I can see where Laura was probably like, oh, my God, if I never have to think about fucking bean orders again and <laughs> payroll for a coffee shop, be happy or pastries, how to source my pastries and ingredients and blah, blah, blah. Always being on top of the next big thing. Bargaining. Never, ever. Whereas I'm like, ooh, what could you do? That could be fun. <laughs> One question I did not have whatsoever. One thing I absolutely accepted was uh, Hemington. The, the, the student coming in and sitting down. That's his name. Yeah, coming in, sitting down, and not ordering, ordering a damn thing. Oh, God. <laughs> it's like, that is true. That's always uh, going to be a thing. That's always going to be a thing. Oh, there's a place I was, can sit down? I'll do it. That was so funny. I was like, <laughs> was that, so is funny. Such a, that is such a college student thing to do. Yeah. Oh, it's not and just, he, it's not just I college mean, it's students. A, I know. But he was in college, so I was like, that's he's he's right on right on the money there. <laughs> yeah. But I think... What was what was worse to me was that he was like, I don't like coffee, so I'm not even gonna drink it. And I was like, don't waste it. <laughs> like, I'm sure there's somebody who will drink that coffee. Give it to somebody. Yeah, just pay them. Buy a freaking cinnamon roll. You don't like cinnamon rolls? Get out of here. What did he say? He doesn't eat bread, right? Yeah, yeah. he doesn't eat like, bread. Really- he doesn't drink yeah. hot drinks. He doesn't eat bread. Yeah, that's where he lost me. Was with the like, I was like, okay, you don't like a hot beverage. I get it. There are people like that. Hot bread, bread. Look, he, can't, he no. can't. He can't handle gluten, right? Don't know. Uh, well, we don't. So we don't like him. everything back in in that kind of universe. <laughs> yeah, I don't feel like you could not eat gluten in that world. Like half, you had to drink beer instead of water because it was more sanitary. So he yeah. just died. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but to be you fair, back then, back then, everybody's stomach was always messed up. So, like, what's a little so true. gluten there's intolerance? You're not going to know. Your, You're not going to notice that. arsenic in your cold medicine. Like, yeah, come on. I had, I don't believe that for a second. He was dying of something else, that's for sure. But not gluten intolerance. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we've already talked about Viv. We talked about a little bit Thimble, the Ratkin Baker. We have Hemington, the college student who doesn't want to spend money. Uh, we also had Tandri, right, who mm-hmm. was Viv's employee slash partner, mm-hmm. perhaps in more than one way. What do we think about Tandri and what do we think about their relationship and, and the uh, the growth of that relationship? I wanted more growth. Mm-hmm. I liked Tandri for the most yeah. part. Yeah. She felt smarter than Viv. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wasn't a huge she fan. She went to university. Huh? I said she went to university. That, that, that checks out. Like she's, yeah, she's very like book educated. Yeah. 
uh, I was not a big fan of the romance. It didn't feel very well written. Mm-hmm. I did not feel that chemistry. Right. So it kind of felt forced. I felt, I just, yeah, I felt like he played it safe. Like yeah. I, it felt very slow. Yeah. And then even at the end, I was like, there's, are they together? I mean, I'm okay with the slow, but even then, it is still just, it just, I did, again, I, I did I not mean, I feel. I couldn't tell if they were together. Like at the end, I couldn't tell. So, like, now that she has a room, is she with you? Yeah, that was weird. Is it like a Ricky and Lucy situation? Like, we're together, but separate beds. I feel yeah. like they should just left it at we're best friends and business partners. Yeah, like, we have a deep emotional connection, but we're not necessarily romantic. And maybe that'll be explored, like, in a sequel or something. But I was going to say something about that that um, I am now forgetting. Um, oh, oh, I think that was part of the, like, the overhype of TikTok was, like, look at this queer, cozy fantasy. And I was like... This was a cozy fantasy for sure, but I wouldn't have necessarily been like romance. Like there was a really strong friendship and like feelings there, but I didn't feel the romance really. I felt the love for them as like really good friends, like partners and like maybe more eventually, but it was so young or I guess underdeveloped that I wouldn't have said like, a queer romance. I also wouldn't have overhyped that on book talk. So very mad about those people. Cause that's, that was a big reason I was like, Oh, okay. There's like a queer romance. That sounds great. And I was like, yeah, I feel okay. like there should have been either nothing or yeah. more. I would have loved Agreed. for Tandri to have been asexual as like mm. a succubus. Oh, that would have been great. That would have been, cool. been such a good twist. Mm-hmm. And like, if they'd had like an asexual, like platonic romance, that would have made more sense to me. Like more like we love each other. We care for each other. We want to be partners, but like there is no like either romantic or sexual feelings here. I would have actually like loved that kind of representation and like that to be explored. And I think, he, I think, I think Travis Baldry set that up and I'm, that's my head. Okay. Canon, is that it's going to be like a platonic life partnership. And I would love that. Love, love, love that. But we'll see. I don't know. The next the next book that he's releasing is a, it's a prequel. prequel. Yeah. It's a prequel. I'm really curious to see how that plays out. Yeah. Yeah. Because I like the coffee shop. Want to see more. Just out of curiosity, which which of the main characters did you most relate to, if any? I like Tandri a lot. I feel like she was the voice of reason. Like every time I was like, did you advertise? And then Tandri would be like, did you advertise? <laughs> Yeah, I, so feel, I feel like Tandri was like our yeah. us as readers. Like, yeah, I feel like I I men- mentally mostly connected with Tandri in terms of the ideas, but obviously I also connected with Viv as the owner. <laughs> yeah, actually, Laura, I'm really curious. Um, what parts made you sad? You said that earlier, and if you're willing to talk about it. We can always cut it, but I was curious what parts made you sad because I kind of thought about that for you when I was reading it. Yeah, so after the shop is burned down, Viv's Viv's coffee shop is burned down, you know, she goes into this deep depressive state, right? 
understand that. <laughs> um, so uh, my coffee shop, we ended up having to close in 2020, like a lot of stores did. Um, and I did, did not know what to do with my life. And so there were parts of this story that I really connected to because Tandra even tells Viv at one point, like this, you can't make this shop just your life. You have to be something outside of it. And I was like, fuck. Yeah. I needed to hear this so many times before. Um, So when she loses her shop, I definitely connected with that too because I lost my shop. I lost my purpose. Um. And so I like really felt that, really felt sad, and uh, and then and then her friends like started to pick her up and started to help her build the shops again. And at that point, I was sad and angry because, first of all, you need a lot of money to rebuild your shop. The whole thing's burned down. You need to whole, build a whole building, and I, I was like, that's not realistic. Your friends are not going to be able to do that unless you have they have a lot of money, which I don't know. Maybe they do. I don't I don't know. But I was upset because, you know, in the time that we closed, there was no way for me to bring my shop back. You know, there's there were grants and, and all this stuff, but realistically, those grants didn't really help small businesses. If anything, it just prolonged the inevitable. Yeah, prolonged the inevitable. Yeah. And so I, I felt angry because I was like, this isn't, this just isn't realistic. It's, it's not, that's not how it happens in real life. I want it to be that way, but it's yeah. not. And so I think just, again, this is just my personal connection to my own experience and then reading this version fantasy version of it where there's magic and there's these friends all these people that come and help and rebuild it and you know I'm just like I wanted that for me too <laughs> but I know that it's not realistic it just it's not gonna happen and yeah that that was the most fantasy element of the book <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> was the like don't worry about the money. We're going to rebuild the entire shop. And it was like, wait a second. That's expensive. Where are you getting all the materials? Yeah. The labor's free, sure, but ma- raw materials are expensive. So Exactly. Was it, wasn't it yeah. the Madrigal who like paid for most of it? Uh, Only a some. lot of it. Only some. Not necessarily everything. Like the, like the Madrigal would like have these deliveries come through. Yeah. Maybe that was the underlying subtext of like, Cal being like, don't worry about it. Yeah, that, I, like, that was my takeaway. It was like magical is like funding this. Maybe. I don't know. It was un it was unclear to me um how much was the magical. Like all I know that there were key parts that were um yeah. that like a delivery would come and it would be from the magical. Um yeah. but yeah, I don't know necessarily about everything. Like the like at one point they get a bunch of rocks and I know that's from the Bard's family because that's his family's business. But it's like they have to make money too. So who's paying them even just a little bit? I don't it know. just felt like a lot of people showed up yeah. to bring this shop back, which, you know, that also does go back to the stone. Like what was the term like? I like 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 attracts like or like yeah, brings like yeah, something yeah. like that. So it's like okay, she's like already attracted like. all these people. 
So mm-hmm. like, yes, that's part of the magical aspect is getting all these people together who who want this to exist. But yeah, it just it just made yeah. me sad and upset. Like happy for this character, but also sad and <laughs> upset personally. It's po- yeah, you were mourning your own loss, like your own parallel yeah. life that happened. And yeah, I think that's really powerful. You know, and it's um, it's for a book. it's 2023 now. So like it's been a few years. I mostly have moved It feels on, like yesterday. But I still, yeah. yeah, I still, every once in a while, I'm like, I really miss my shop. Um, I miss your shop. <laughs> Thank I, you. I think about it all the time. <laughs> Is it really good chai and toast and tea? Thanks. So, I miss it yeah. too. Now, Rico actually hated the shop. He hates <laughs> comic books. He hates I was the tea. one that burned it down. <gasps> Damn. <Rio. laughs> Just kidding. Shit. It did not burn down. It did not burn down, yeah. no. <laughs> no. It just, you know, classic COVID closure, um, unfortunately. But, uh, yeah. No, thank you for sharing that because yeah. I, I feel like, yeah, I, I felt some of that for you. Mm-hmm. Where I was like, you know, this reminds me a little bit of what happened, like 2020 being like almost a literal dumpster fire um, of a year. So, um, yeah, that's – yeah. I think that's the book did that really well, the emotional toll of like losing the business. Like that was – really poignant scene it really stuck with me and i think it was well written like the depression and the the spiral um that viv went through so yeah the ending was very uh 80s dance movie where like everybody's yeah. together to, to save the rec center yeah you know, that's not the way real life works unfortunately yeah. not usually <laughs> yeah i know not all of us were lucky enough to be born in the 80s rico so <laughs> wait were you not born? i guess you wouldn't be born in the 80s god damn it <laughs> <laughs> always find a way. Uh-huh. I always find a way to mention it. Rico. Uh-huh. If I, if I didn't really, feel really old enough for right it, my birthday it. just a couple days ago. I know. What are you now? Like 50, 60? Wow. I stopped counting after 57. Senior, I think we did the senior <laughs> special brunch, right? Yeah. yeah. 6 a.m.? Yeah. <laughs> okay. okay. Before we move on to the ratings, I want to play a quick little game with you. Oh, Maybe no. end it on, on a, a little happier note. Going Your back to sorry. Say, let's play a game. No. And I'm no, worried no, no, no. that means. Want right. to play a game? <laughs> Simple, really quick. Uh, going back to the idea of coffee and chocolate being brand new, right? I'm going to name some common food items, and I want you to both to say, "Do you think it exists in this world or not?" Simple as that. And oh, in, the, okay. in the books, in the world, world, in the world of book, do you think this food item would exist already, or or be oh, or be commonplace enough? Okay. All right. First one: uh, chicken and waffles. No. 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 Mm-mm. Okay. French fries. Or some or some variation of maybe not French fries, but some sort Baked of baked potatoes in that shape. Sure. Yeah, or, I don't know about f- fried food, but possibly baked. Yes. Okay. Uh, lemonade. Yeah. Yeah. Not as sweet, but yeah. Pancakes. Yes. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And finally, tacos. No. No. Yeah, yeah, this isn't a world if one. Coffee and, if coffee and chocolate were exotic, come on. Wait till they find out about tacos. <laughs> that's, that's the sequel. Someone's going to open up a taco stand. There you oh, go. That's what I was just about to say. Excellent. <laughs> All right, ratings. Uh, this book currently has a 4.2 rating out of over 76,000 ratings on Goodreads. So it is a very well-received book, and I think rightfully so. It's a great book. I think it's a lot of fun. Laura, you mentioned this would be a good palate cleanser, and I fully agree mm-hmm. with that. 
Okay, our own rating. Now, let's make a quick change to our episodes. Last season, we tried implementing a shit or the shit rating system, which was, was it good or not? Very binary, yes or no. Um, it was shit. And, uh, <laughs> wow. Okay, Bella's saying that this book was shit. No, no, no. No, no, the rating system Oh, the system rating was, was shit. shit, okay. Nah, fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, I was rating the rating system with the rating system. Oh, that's so meta. Come on, Rico. Keep up. So meta. Yeah. Keep up. Yeah, that didn't go over as as smoothly as I had hoped. Nobody, no one ever just easily picked a shitter the shit. So we're going to go back to the tried and true, just five stars. So what would you rate this book? That's really difficult for me to say. (laughs) You could be honest. You could be honest. Well, no, because it's hard. It's hard to rate this with my personal connection, my personal Mm. experience. I would. I guess I would. I would say three and a half is probably a safe. I was gonna say, what's your trauma score, and what's the like unbiased Mm. score? Good. Good point. No, I'm gonna (laughs) say trauma. Five out of five. Okay. So Laura's three and a half. Bella, what do you think? I was going to say like 3.75 to a four. Like I, I think 3.75 just because it's not like not a book that I would normally go for. And it wasn't exactly what I expected. And there definitely would be some like growth. But if I had to round up, definitely a four, like a solid four. I think the 3.75 mm-hmm. is just accounting for some of those things that were like a little bit too easy about a book. That's not that it's wrong, difficult. but it's just. Yeah, it's just me being like, meh, that was a little too easy. <laughs> to be like, oh my god, we discovered coffee. It's like, okay, convenient. <laughs> Look at all these people who found us without any advertising. Well, I mean, they did end up putting up flyers, but I was like, I don't know. Still. Seemed too easy. Yeah. Okay, Jason? a little uh, lower rating than I thought you would both give it. Just because it's been so popular with everybody, I thought you'd be at least a four. I think I also don't want to give it a four just because out of spite of book just talk. Oh, <laughs> I just, I'm like, I I am always the contrarian when it comes to book talk because they really let me down a lot. And they really did like mislead on this queer romance. And so I think I'm knocking it down. The 3.75 is for book talk. The four is for the author because it's a well-written book. But book talk, you were wrong. (laughs) We're writing book talk now. Book talk and bookstagram tends to to overhype things sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, mm. and this book is great. I'm glad that it did because it made it onto our podcast. However, they were misleading. Yeah, fair enough. I'm giving it a solid four. I think it was a really good book. I thought I, I really enjoyed it, but it did lack certain things or bring up certain questions. Like, yeah. well, it wasn't a perfect book by any means, but I really enjoyed it. And I yeah. think most people really enjoy it. It's a simple read, super quick. It's a short book, not even 300 pages. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. So that's that on that. Uh, now let's talk about some of the shit we're reading next. <laughs> that was that on that. Yep. Uh, so eloquent, Thank Rico. You. Your words. You no, know, that's why people tune in. Unmatched. This, just me and the words. You know, the wordsmith. Yeah. You really love lots of words. You really want all the words, right? Listen, listen. I am the first to say I read a lot of words. I know a lot of words. I am not oh. great at speaking the words. You skim a lot of words, that's well, for sure. Yeah. Whoa. Continue, but continue, continue. Okay. Anyhow, what are what are some of the shit we're reading next, guys? Anything next on your TBR? Uh, I'm just gonna keep going through the the Grisha verse books. 
Simple as that. All right. Bella, more romance? Yeah, still the Regency Vow series. I actually do have a lot of, I would say, like darker fantasy books that we are not doing this year on the podcast that I got for me to read. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm excited for those. There's too many to even list. I think I told you guys before we started recording, like I went crazy on NetGalley and I got approved for like 80% of them. So I now need to read them all. So I'm going to work on those. Just (laughs) remember, I'll probably to post your reviews. Oh, yeah, I know. I already owe them one, but I broke my collar. I read one and then broke my collarbone. So I'm like "Eh," getting through it (laughs) with like one hand (laughs) trying. But uh, yeah, and I need to post things to Goodreads, too. That's nice. It lets you cross. Mm -hmm. cross Yeah. So hopefully by our next episode in a couple weeks, I'll have a few more books. But yeah. What about you, Rico? What are you reading next? I am participating in the Fantasy Fellowship Battle of the Five Worlds Readathon. Fantasy Fellowship is this online community of book lovers, book nerds. Um, and then a couple times a year, they do this readathon challenge where everybody in the community splits up into five different teams based on different uh, worlds. Prompts. Oh, um, cool. And so this time they're based on different like authors. So there's like a, a Samantha Shannon world. There's a Brandon Sanderson team. There's a Sarah J. Mass uh team there's uh whoever wrote gideon the ninth um i'm blanking on the title and people are gonna come for me um and there's another oh and, and an independent team of just independent authors anyhow so everybody splits off into five teams and then there's 12 prompts they're worth different points you have to reach all books try to earn points for your team and the team that wins the most uh or sort of the team that gets the most points wins so uh, the next book I'm reading for that readathon is A Master of Gin by P. Jelly Clark. Ooh. It's set in an alternate 1910s uh, Cairo, like a steampunk world. There are gin, there are angels, there's a magic. And then the book itself is about a, a, a queer female investigator who's uh, investigating um, murders um, of, like, of a secret brotherhood who are dedicated to um, one of the most famous men in history. So I like mystery. I've been getting into mystery this year. I like fantasy. I like magic. So sounds like it's uh, definitely up my alley. Let me know how that is. I've had that on my list for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, it sounds interesting. I, I like the idea of like the steampunk kind of vibe. So I'm interested to find out what you think of it. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I, I read uh, one of the sh- – there's there's two short stories and a novella that take place before the novel. And I read mm-hmm. one of the short stories already. Um, and what I liked about it um, – not much of a spoiler, but the, the angels are essentially bodiless beings of energy. And the mm-hmm. way they exist is by um, being in these steampunk mechanized bodies. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. And so the angels look like robots, essentially. And it's like, oh, that's that's pretty cool. I like that. Cool. Yeah. But anyway, like you, it's been on my TBR for forever. And one of the prompts is reading a book that takes place out of, like, not in a European setting. Mm-hmm. Ah, okay. And so it was like, oh, well, perfect. This takes place in Cairo. Um, perfect excuse to bump it up on my TBR and read it now. So that's what I'm reading next. Cool. Uh, cool. All right. Um, so closing out, uh, this has been the first episode of this season. Um, we have um, more episodes coming your way, including more After Dark episodes. Those were a lot of fun to do last season and apparently very popular with people. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to do more of them this season. <laughs> so if you like those, then 
Stick around. We got some more coming your way. Uh, in fact, the next episode we're doing is going to be an After Dark episode, of course, with Emma Skies. Uh, we're going to be reading Soul Eater by Lily Maine. It is a queer male monster romance set in a post-apocalyptic world. And this book was actually recommended to us by a listener. Her name was Ruta M. I hope I pronounced that correctly. She's from, it looks like she's supposed to sign between Lithuania and Sweden. So first of all, it's crazy that we have listeners all over the world. Second, thanks for listening. And thanks for the recommendation. (laughs) That's so cool. Yeah. And then we also have a couple more author interviews potentially. We have at least one scheduled. I'm not going to promise more than one. We have at least one. But we might have some more coming your way as well. So if you enjoy those, uh, keep an eye out for those. As always, follow our social media for updates. Find out what we got going on. Um, You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok at shitweavered. Easy enough. You can also listen to our episodes online at shitweavered.com. And I think that is it. Anything Mm -hmm. else I missed? I think that was everything. Again, I'm ha- I'm excited to be back. Me too. Yeah, nice job, Rico. Thank you. You can us off right. <laughs> Bella, Laura, thanks so much for chatting about this book. Yeah. All right, everybody listening, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, we'll catch you next time. Bye. 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 Shoot We've Read is hosted by Laura Benson, Jason Rico, and Bella Romero, with music by Joshua Chilton and editing by Jason Rico. To join the discussion on this and all other books we've read, find us at Shit We've Read on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok. For more information about us or to request transcripts, please visit shitweavered.com. This podcast is part of the Bilo Network. Visit bilonetwork.com for more great geeky podcasts. Thanks so much for listening. Mm-hmm.